welcome to another episode of the Miles Offside podcast, where we talk a little bit of football and a whole lot of nothing. My name is Oscar Puente, also known as Footy from Afar, and with me, as always, is my co-host Chuck Bailey. Someone's excited. Well, of course, after last week, you know, when I spoke so much about how I really love the January transfer window, <laughs> um, how good it is, uh, yep. how it's mm-hmm. not an absolute roller coaster ride, and how sure. it, it always resolves itself really soon. Uh, it's great. Yeah, love January. Yeah, it worked out window. really well for you guys. Yeah. Yep. I'm. I'm not. I'm lucky. I or not lucky. I think you guys are lucky. I'm envious. Uh, he's a great striker. I wanted him to come back to Chelsea and just play at Chelsea. Uh, but I'm glad he's out there making noise. For those that have no idea what we're talking about, Mishi Bachuai on loan at Palace had a great debut the other day. Uh, looks fantastic because he is a fantastic player. I don't understand why it hasn't worked out at other clubs, but we'll see. Um, yeah. You may have noticed that it's just myself and Chuck. We are one short this week. Our to be honest, super... Ian, normally Ian hasn't spoken by this point, though, Oscar. Well, he's chuckled one or two times at something that we said. Idiotic. Ian is not with us today. He uh he has died. He's dead. Yeah. Dead. Gone. Gone but not forgotten. Uh yeah. now Ian Ian's feeling a little under the weather. Uh may have the flu or something, which at his age can be pretty dangerous, so we told him, mm-hmm. you know, take the night off, make sure you take care of yourself, get lots of fluids. Uh and whatever else old people do when they're sick, I don't really know. Um, um I don't know, shake their fists at young people out windows. Oh. Yeah, he's definitely shuffling around in a bathrobe yelling at people. <laughs> Ian, we love you. We miss you. Uh, he will be phoning in to hand us the listener questions later, but most of this is just going to be me and Chuck. So we'll we'll trooper on and push through and do the best we can. Oh, so he's so he's not ill enough that he could do some work. He just couldn't be bothered to actually talk to us face to face. Is that what you say? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know why when he's already feeling bad, why would we subject him to <laughs> having to deal with the two of us for a few hours? Because that's what we do. Yeah. Is this this is the second time? It's just me and you, right? This happened one other time. Second time. Yeah. Second time. Third. That is still. Our, isn't that our most listened to episode as well? Coincidence. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, we're gonna break. We're gonna break some records on this one then. Breaking some records. Yep. And to go off what the gaffer tapes do, we're gonna have to start calling him Mister Ninety Three Point Seven Five Percent. You worked out the math, didn't you? You worked I did. it out. Yeah. It's yeah. just dividing. It's not that hard. <laughs> but yeah. So we are the Miles Outside Podcast. We. Uh, we talk a little bit of football, as the story meant, as the intro mentioned, but we tend to go on quite a few tangents. Um, but the way this goes, we'll run through some rapid-fire news. We will dig into some sort of bigger results and bigger stuff that's been going on lately, which there's plenty to talk about this week. Mm. Take a quick break, come back for some social media stuff, some listener questions, some preview of next weekend's matches, and kind of call it a day. So let's go ahead and jump right in with... Rapid, rapid, rapid fire news. No, no, he's he's still going to do an edit. You don't need to. Oh, all right. Well, I wasn't so, sure. Hang on, hang on. Let, let's see if he drops it in. Let's just leave a little bit of silence now. Our top story this evening: Neil Warnock tells Gary Lineker to fuck off. <laughs> That's it. That's the whole story. Colin Warnock. Did you see this? Of course I saw Colin Warlock. I mean, why wouldn't you call him Colin? He's such a typical Colin. I don't get it. Is that is that true? That's what it sounds like, that Gary Lineker just called him Colin 
And so now he can fuck off. I don't know. Have you met R. Colin? <laughs> I just thought it was really funny that he didn't realize the mics were still on or were already on. I don't, I don't know if it was before or after the interview, but you just hear him going, oh, tell Gary Lineker to fuck off. <laughs> Always assume the mics are on, kids. Definitely. Otherwise, that's how you end up on the intro to the podcast because you don't know what a pomegranate is. Or, <laughs> or, or how you end up uh, having to work in Qatar. <laughs> Ooh. Next story. Garcia has made it to 39 games as manager of Watford, marking the first time in a very long time that they have a manager who has managed enough games to count as an entire season. Chuck, is the Watford manager train coming to a stop at the final destination? I mean, if he lasts until the end of the season, it will be impressive. But, you know, that's an embarrassing statistic that that's even noteworthy. (laughs) The it fact is that you've, you've made more, played more games than oh, oh god, Watford are a joke. Yeah, although they're they're doing pretty well, pretty well. Nah, currently sitting in eighth place. Nah, so you know, not bad. I guess he's doing a pretty good job to keep his job. You think he'll make the end of the season? I don't know. Two points in three games. That's you know, you're only ever like about four results away from getting fired as Watford manager. So yeah. Yeah, four and four seems generous. They <laughs> one bad enough result and they'll pull the trigger sometimes. They've got rid of managers that got them promoted, then hired a new one, then fired that one before they actually started the season, and then went through another two the first season. Like, oh god. Yeah, that was a mess. That was like really a mess. Uh, there was a I forget what team it was a few years ago, but I remember hearing that I think it was Leeds had been through eight managers in one season. Something like that. I'm pretty sure it was Leeds. They just kept firing guys, firing guys, and firing guys. So The sluts. Tip of the hat to Watford to make it in 39 games. I wonder if they're going to like make a statue of him now. <laughs> or make you know Name an award after him. <laughs> That's all it takes now. That's all it takes. Like a participant's ribbon. Congratulations, you survived the season. Speaking of managers who've outstayed their welcome, Josie Mourinho is in the news. Of course he is. Chuck, I don't know if you... Yeah, always. Uh, I don't know if you know, he's been on a bit of a world tour since... Um, leaving his post in Manchester. And most recently, he popped up at a hockey game in Russia <laughs> where he was, like, ceremonially ceremonially dropping the first puck. And so they laid out this red carpet for him, and he comes out, and he and he drops the puck, and then he starts to walk off, and whoop, down he goes, <laughs> like someone jogging during a snowstorm. Oh, delicious. Also, if he's on a bit of a world tour, like, first Qatar, now Russia... I mean, it's North Korea next, isn't it? Is he playing dictatorship bingo? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Woo-hoo. Maybe he's running for office somewhere next. All right, moving right along. Everton have debuted a new player. The biggest signing of the January window. The Everton cat. <laughs> the Everton cat. Did you see this? Yeah. A cat came onto the pitch and he was running around. It was the most entertaining part of that whole match. Uh, run around for a good few minutes. I heard on, uh, I can't remember which podcast it was now, um, but somebody actually roughly worked out, judging by the amount of distance the cat covered um, in the time, how much, if it had played the full 90, how far it would have gone. And okay. um, he, it would have been in the uh, the top four for average distance covered uh, by players this season in the Premier League. So there you go. Everton should sign the cat up. Sign him up. Sign him up. Everton aren't doing that great. They're below Watford, who we just talked about. Only 33 points. Uh, I don't know how their recent form is, but probably not great, I'm guessing. Garbage. 
Yeah, so they could do with a black cat. Well, maybe they shouldn't have a black cat. I don't know. A black cat's lucky? Are they unlucky? Unlucky. Definitely unlucky. Okay. Yep. So I guess that doesn't bode well for them. And to wrap up the rapid fire news story, Chuck, planning on going to Australia anytime soon? Nope. Me neither. But if we did go, the Australian Football League Experimental 2019 rule rules have been revealed. Hang on, what? Yeah, they have a league called AFLX. AFLX. Yep. And in this league for 2019, one of the proposed rule changes, which a bunch just got announced, is the introduction of a designated game changer player who will have a chance to kick 10 point super goals in the last <laughs> 10 minutes of the match. 10. What? This. Look. Oh, Australia, Dave, listen. All right. You can't. If you can't even grasp the normal rules of football. That doesn't mean that you can just go change everything to make it work. We've already proved you can't do experimental. VAR doesn't work there. There's kangaroos getting involved. Like, it's experimental enough. Like, they don't need these rule changes in Australian football. (laughs) Do you want to hear some of the other ones? There are a lot of really pretty funny ones. Absolutely, yes. Okay, I thought you might. Yeah. Kicking the ball through the goal from anywhere within or behind the 40 meter launch zone will count as a super goal so 40 meters out sorry so not the 40 meter line the 40 meter launch zone launch zone yep <laughs> this is just rocket league isn't it yeah basically yeah, yeah, yeah 14 players on each team with eight on the field and six on the interchange bench and no interchange limit so basically like hockey um there will be a shot clock <laughs> Oh, this really does seem like just throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks, doesn't it? Absolutely. Like, there will be a field umpire who throws up the football to commence play at the beginning of each half or after a 10-point super goal has been scored. Of course. So kind of like foosball. Uh, do you guys have foosball tables over there? Do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? I played you and beat you at foosball when you were over here. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. That's oh, right. Oh, yeah. Totally forgot, forgot that conveniently, that. bitch. Well, I was pretty sick and dying. (laughs) Oh, come on. Your diarrhea had only just started at that point. That's true. That's true. It was early in the day yet. Yeah. So it sounds like things are going to get pretty crazy down in Australia. Dave, please do report back and let us know how that goes. How far until it just goes, they're just going to release a load of spiders on the pitch? Uh, I think they just have spiders out on the pitch anyway. Like, there's nothing they can do in Australia to get rid of them. Yeah, fair. All right. Well, that'll do it for Rapid Fire News. Let's get into some actual storylines, because there has been a whole lot of stuff happened since the last time we recorded a week ago. Uh, Chuck, I'll leave it to you. Do you want to start with City, Liverpool, Chelsea, United, Spurs, or the relegation zone? We have quite a few stories to get to. Don't want to talk about relegation zone just yet. I don't like Liverpool. Uh, Let's go Man City. All right, let's start it off with Man City. Man City, since the last time we spoke, have played two matches. They lost to Newcastle. Of yeah, all fucking teams, yeah. one to two, and they beat Arsenal three to one and thoroughly outplayed Arsenal. They looked really good. Um, do you want to start with the loss or just start with the win? Well, I I feel that that's kind of a loss for both camps because Man City obviously that's garbage to play against Newcastle and lose, and Newcastle won't have want that because then you know Mike Ashley's never going to put any money in because like they just beat the best team in in England. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stupid Rafa. Well, just to throw a couple of numbers out there for you, against Newcastle, they only got 1.3 in XG, which, again, that's against fucking Newcastle. And there have only been six times this season where they scored 1.5 or lower in XG. 
that obviously being one of them. Five of those six times have come since December 6th. Oh, wow. So they are, they're slowing down a bit. Yeah, I mean, a, a bit is generous. They've slowed down a whole fucking lot. Um, and if it hadn't been for the Arsenal result, I think the thing that we'd be talking about now is, wow, what's going on with City? They're in a deep downward spiral. Everything has dried up. Like, it, it largely it's been driven by a lack of shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we talked before when they were kind of slowing down a bit about like, oh, maybe it's Fernandinho. What's going on? Injuries, blah, 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 blah. But like, it doesn't seem to be that because everybody's back and Fernandinho's back. So it's not entirely clear what's going on with them or if they've even fixed it. Like, you know, putting three up against Arsenal and the XG in that one was 2.8 to 0.5. So that's exactly a 3-1 scoreline, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, does one match mean that they've turned it around and are back in the conversation? They're never really out of the conversation, I don't think. And, you know, of course, it'll be Sergio Aguero that can, you know, he can just drop a hat-trick in there against another team in the big six and uh, sure, and, and sort your life out. But, yeah, they have the potential. Obviously, we record on Tuesday, um, Wednesday night when they play Everton. You know, if they win, then they, they can go top again, which is, which is a psychological boon. Um, it really is. Yeah, and Liverpool don't do well with psychological setbacks at all. Like, nope. all jokes aside, they cannot handle that sort of thing there's just too much pressure at the club there yeah especially you know when you see Jurgen Klopp is is everyone knows he's such an emotionally led guy um you never really see him calm or or keeping himself to himself Uh, as you can tell from the reaction I believe from the West Ham result when he was you know he was kicking off and and saying that no he was kicking off about uh, whatever he's I don't know he's whinging he's the Germany and Holloway I don't even care um (laughs) he was saying that the linesman got the decisions right for the goal that they scored, which was offside, and then there was a second Ridiculously time... Ridiculously offside. It was miles offside. Miles, Link. And then the second one, which Origi missed, which was the exact same, but then he's saying, yeah, 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 the referee, uh, the linesman got the right decision. It's just mental. Yeah, and he's getting investigated today by the FA because of his comments. Oh, really? Fantastic. Oh, yeah, because he... he... I don't love him. But to I think to go back to City, though, like, I'm still very skeptical. Consider me very skeptical. Because since December 6th, that is a two-month stretch that they haven't been very good. Um, so one big result doesn't turn that around. I mean, I'm just taking Chelsea as an example. They beat City. Uh, and everyone was like, oh, Chelsea, you're back, baby. Everybody looks great. And then, you know, we've seen what's been going on with Chelsea yeah. more recently. I was going to say, so like, no, none of those people were you. <laughs> nope. No, not at all. (laughs) I don't know what is going on at City. I suspect it has something to do with Benjamin Mendy because he offers so much in both directions on the flank there. Um, Trying to sort of play Sané to add to that creativity that they're lacking. But then just I just feel like everything's been kind of way off balance ever since he's been out Um, and it's starting to catch up with them. And then, you know, you just kind of go into a slide and it's hard to recover. Um, I don't, I'm not convinced that one good match, and they were, don't get me wrong, they were fantastic against Arsenal, fully deserved that win. They got the tactics exactly right. I, I, I'm skeptical that they've, they've turned it around. I think they're still very much in, you know, crisis, quote unquote, um, which by city standards is still fantastic, but. Yeah. You know, I, I think that stat that Paul Carr, that was a Paul Carr stat, by the way, the 1.5, six times or, and five of them have been since December, like that's troubling from a city perspective but i don't know that's that's kind of city um we started talking liverpool so let's go to that 
Liverpool since last time we spoke, when we spent most of last week talking about how they were starting to like run away from the race. Maybe it's not such a title race anymore. They have a nice, huge lead. Two 1-1 draws against Leicester and at West Ham, neither of which are like... You know, the most spectacular teams, Leicester currently in 11th, West Ham in 12th. And to get 1-1 draws against both of those teams, and only generating 0.5 and 1.2 in those matches, while conceding 1.3 and 1.2. So that's like more than they usually concede XG, and a lot less than they usually generate. Mm-hmm. Um, must be trouble- troubling for Liverpool fans. I don't know. What's your take on that? Well, I'll just to kind of lead into that. I wonder because those those are the kind of games that Liverpool typically have always messed up on. It's always been those kind of the the, the sides that are kind of the the mid table kind of scrap potential relegation candidates um, that they've just never really been able to capitalise on, which is what has happened in the past, and notably, obviously, in, in many incidents with, with Crystal Palace. Now you want you wonder if. You know they they were still ahead of City after losing to them um, five games ago, but then you know just beating Brighton one nil, which fair enough at the Amex is you know they are very solid defensively, but then that game with Crystal Palace, you know they they really did ride their luck in that match, and yeah, to, to concede, that was a crazy match, yeah, and to concede you know twenty percent of their goals that they've conceded this season in one match against the team right. that, that, that hadn't been scoring really at all at that point and, and you know, starting to find a bit of their feet a bit now. And to have to resort to the old type of just trying to blow them away and, and relying a lot on luck, it just seems to have had a bit of a downer on them. And, and you know, the two draws in a row, uh, and they've got Bournemouth next, um, who, you know, as, as you've seen, are, are more than capable of blowing away any of the big teams. Um, sure, absolutely. And uh, speaking of you know mid-table sides that can score a few goals, I bet Liverpool fans have that circled in their calendar and are not excited. You know, no. like I'll, I'll go into a match being like, "Uh, Chelsea are just going to drop points here." Like I'm not excited for this at all. I'd imagine Liverpool fans are having a lot of the same reaction. Mm-hmm. However high they were riding, especially after that City result, you know that's that's got to come a long way down since then. Uh, so do you think it's the Palace result that's just, like, fucking with their heads? Um, I think it, uh, you see the way they were in that game. Like, Palace did have them rocked. And it's, it's you know, it's from a couple, it's from a Van Dyke speculative shot and, and another massive deflection that kind of got them back into it. And, you know, we were still pushing right up until the end. So, yeah. Yeah, two... I would have I said that Liverpool were very lucky to walk out of that mm-hmm. with the four goals and the win. There. Yeah, it's four goals a win. It, you know, to concede that many, the manner in which they scored the goals, Milner's red card, um, Robertson's unnoticed handball, and then, then yeah, you know, at home to Leicester, who, you know, when you're playing a club where the the manager is holding on for dear life and you know is isn't doing that well, and you're, you're playing them at home, you need to. That's when you can lay down a statement and and really blow a team away, and to then go away to West Ham as well and just yeah. struggle and they they're coming off of a, of, of a crap run as well so it'll be it's, it's very interesting over the next few games because like we yeah. said if, if city beat everton and they go even that it doesn't really matter that liverpool have that game in hand at the minute because psychologically you look at that table and you see the even points and then you realize again how close it was when you know what was it three four games ago we were talking about them going 10 points clear Right, 
Exactly. And I think, like we just said before, with Liverpool, it's very much a psychological thing. Like the numbers and the tactics and as much of the analysis as you can do, like as a nerd, for them, it seems to follow much more from their mentality than it does for most other teams. And I do think that that Palace result like scared them. You know, what is it? In uh, Rocky Four, I think, or in Rocky Three, um, you know, Rocky's wildly underdog because he is in all of those movies. And at one point, he like lands a good clean hit. And I, I just vividly remember the line, oh, the, he's cut. The Russian is cut. Rocky Four. That's Rocky Four against Drago, yeah. Yeah. And so like that idea that like this, you know, invincible, massive sort of entity – once they've been hit, like someone landed a clean hit, once they've been cut, all of a sudden seems very human, seems yeah. very fallible. Um, the Palace result, even though they got the win, and a lot of people would be like, oh, if they managed to win despite conceding three, I think they've kind of had the opposite effect with them. Um, they've changed their lineup every match since then, which isn't necessarily normal for them. I think they kind of have gotten uncertain as to who their best 11 are, what the best tactics are. Um, Adam Lalana got a start against West Ham, which is like very strange because um, he's been nowhere near the team sheet for a long time. Um, I just feel like they're shook. Yeah, I th- I think just to kind of just to kind of wrap this up, it's not just that psychological aspect of recent games, but you know the monkey on their back is that they haven't won the Premier League and they are one of the teams up there that hasn't won it with the exception of Tottenham and i i can kind of liken that to the effect that uh England we've had with penalty shootouts for so long that mm-hmm. because you've you've always got that in your back of your mind that you're known for this you're you're known for not winning you're you've never done it you know look at how many years England's kept missing penalty shootouts until finally you know something happened so right yeah i'd liken it to that just to kind of wrap up that yeah, well, to transition, then you you mentioned Spurs, um, who are the other team that hasn't really won it recently on a red hot run of form. Fucking Fernando Lorente of all people <laughs> is like leading the charge. Which what is that about? <laughs> because they got no one else. Like I know. So so yeah. So exactly. Default. We we talked about like oh their injuries. People are out until March. Is this going to be the end for them? Are they going to fall out of the top four? And fucking Fernando fucking Lorente comes in, two assists, one goal in the last two matches, both wins. Liverpool have made up a ton of points because we talked about Liverpool – or sorry, Spurs have made up a ton of points because we talked about Liverpool just dropped, what, four points over two matches with two draws. Mm-hmm. City dropped points. They're all of a sudden looking like they're kind of close to that place. So my real question to you is are they in the title race and are they in the title conversation? At least. Conversation, certainly, because, you know, there's still two points off City with the same number of games played, and, and they're within five, which, if you think about it, not that long ago, with seven point of a seven-point gap with City, we were saying that was still attainable. So it's not unrealistic right. to think that, you know, again, one one game, you know, a Liverpool slip-up or Man City not winning, and all of a sudden, you, you've then got only, only three points between the top three and the third one's Man City. So I think... It's really surprised everyone, and I think that's come in a weird way. Having those injuries has become a bit of an advantage because no one really knew what Spurs were going to be about then. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you take out Kane and you take out Ali, you bring in Fernando Llorente, who who will play in a different style. You know, Eriksson wasn't necessarily playing those games. Lamella was coming on, 
or, or starting as well. It's just given Tottenham a different dimension to what everyone knows from the start of season, which is, you know, it's going to be Kane, Ali, Eriksen. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And I think Son has kind of picked, stepped it up a lot. He's been in pretty red-hot form too, but Lorente is just like this big unknown slash a bit of a joke. And for him to come in and be leading the charge like that is not good. There, I think it's really telling that Spurs are closer to Liverpool in first than they are to Chelsea in fourth. Yeah. Like, they're seven points clear of fourth, and they're only five points behind Liverpool. Like, And we'll see what happens, obviously, in the coming matches. But I think, to me, they're well and truly clear. I don't think, for the record, that they're the third best team in England. I still think that the numbers prove that or show that that is Chelsea. Like, we are still the third best team, quote-unquote. But, like, a seven-point lead with this far into the season is a basically unassailable lead. Like, that is statistically very, very likely. They've pulled well clear of everyone else. Mm -hmm. But, again, like, back in, I don't know what, October or so, everyone was saying, oh, Chelsea in the title race, three-horse title race, blah, blah, blah. And I kept saying, no, guys, like, they happen to be there right now, but that's not actually where they are. That's not actually who they are. I would kind of go the same way with Tottenham. Like, they're in the conversation right now because of the way that the table looks and recent form from Liverpool and City versus recent form from them. Um, but I, I don't think that they have a real shot at it. I think it's still very much Liverpool and City in, in the conversation in the race there. Um, despite how well or how much like Spurs have kind of made up ground and taken off more recently. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is like really crazy to see how they're playing and to think like how much they've gained ground on everyone else or left other people behind. Yeah. And then in a couple of weeks, they'll have Harry Kane and Deli Alley coming back into the squad. Like, those are two big names to be coming back. And if you can, if you can kind of ride your luck while they're gone and then they come back in and all of a sudden you actually get better, th- that's crazy. Like, that's just crazy. Yeah. And Kane, you know, quite famously always does well towards the end of the seasons. He's always, he always starts season slow, but he finishes big. Like, what? He got seven goals in the last three games a couple of seasons ago. Yeah. Um, so that for them is real big. You know, you you touched on it as well with with kind of bringing in Chelsea into that, and you know that's a seven. There's a seven point cushion there, and so realistically, do you, for for that to be made up, Tottenham would have to lose three more games than Chelsea, right? Right. That's kind of how it's or worth. two and a draw. And, but yeah. yeah. And so so do you see that happening? No, not at all. At all, right? Not at all. So if you if you if you don't see Tottenham losing three more games than Chelsea, and Chelsea out of the next uh, how many games are left? What is it? Thirteen. So out of the next thirteen, judging by their average of this season, they're probably Chelsea are probably going to lose three games, which means Tottenham are, are probably going to lose about the same. So another another ten wins in there, perhaps you know their first draw of the season, although they they just don't draw, so you can assume there's ten wins in there, yeah, uh, could potentially take them up to eighty seven points and eighty seven points is like in some seasons that's good enough for the title, oh man, and the rest sometimes we've changed, so they, i I think they can still be considered in the conversation it it doesn't take much, you know it, like like we said, it takes a couple of weeks, and this league moves fast. Especially when fixtures start getting changed around, Champions League starts coming into it. You never know what can happen, man. Um, it's good that we, we still have this narrative at this point of the season. It's just how much longer can we hold on to it? Can can City keep you know keep tabs on Liverpool and Tottenham just keep being industrious and going and going and going and going constantly? Um, because you think potentially then, you know, it's it's weird that it, it's looking like potentially Manchester United are more likely to catch Tottenham 
than Chelsea are. Oof. Because oh. they they've just been Oh that well, hurt. <laughs> that really I know hurt. I know it hurts and it and it hurts me to say it, but you can't deny the social revolution, mate. Yeah. And so it's, all right, so let's transition to United then. We say revolution, it's just, you know, most ju- mostly just like here's the ball, go have fun kids because you're all super talented. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, ever since he took over since Mourinho left, is it more that he took over or more that Mourinho left? Probably the latter, I think. Yeah. They are unbeaten. Uh, and most recently, uh, 2-2 against Burnley and beating Leicester by one goal, 1-0. The Burnley, they got fucking, to quote Michael Cayley, who is like my favorite soccer person. Just You guys know I'm obsessed with him. To quote Michael Cayley's Twitter, they got Burnley'd because that was <laughs> 2.4 and a penalty. So really 3.4, depending on the model in XG, versus mm-hmm. 1.0 from Burnley, which for Burnley, 1.0 is actually pretty good, but... Getting a draw yeah. when you have 2.4 plus a penalty against 1.0 is like, that's harsh. Yeah, and especially Burnley going Burnley and they're, they're unbeaten in six games. <laughs> like, right. That, that's crazy. Um, but yeah, they, they really push United to the end. Though obviously, once they were 2-0 down, United just threw everything at them. So I'm not really surprised there that the, the draw was the final result. But yeah, that's the that's the only mark on it since Solskjaer's come in in, in what thirteen games now? Twelve, thirteen? Uh, I, w- I would have said fourteen off the top of my head. I don't have the number in front of me, but let, let's call it wow, thirteen. So, yeah, so it's it's incredible. It really Just is incredible, and it, and he's still not their manager, and still is the manager of another club. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> like, crazy. It's just such a surreal situation. And Leicester are not a bad team. Like they're not the best, you know. I so what a lot of people they're have said is, oh, it's been against. They're not a bad team, by I yeah, they're they're not a bad team, but they definitely are full off the boil. Yeah, sure, but they're not like relegation fodder, let's say. So I I think the criticism, if there has been one, has been that uh, the results have come, but it's only been against like really bad teams, really bad teams. But two of those matches are against pretty good teams. Like Leicester are uh, Leicester in eleventh, and Tottenham are like legitimately a good team and they beat them. Like, you know, you can only, as we said a few times, you can only beat who what's put in front of you. And United have, have like thoroughly played well against everyone that's been put in front of them since Marino left. Um, and it's not like they, their defense is still shitty, but David De Gea is back to being amazing. Did you see that? All those saves he made? He yeah, looked fantastic. The guy's all right, isn't he? But the bigger thing has been the, like, what I call the, Harry Redknapp school of managing, which is like, fucking go run around a bit, you know? Yeah, just just go do stuff. And they've just like, all of the, they've been completely let off the leash. Like, just, just do whatever you want. And Pogba's been amazing. Rashford is red hot. Even like Lukaku and Sanchez came in and looked pretty good. Like, everybody's just firing on all cylinders with the attack. And... Like, that's just hard to play against. Like, you know, you, you think back to Liverpool a few years ago, like, you don't necessarily need a fantastic defense if you can <laughs> just go and score enough goals. And that's exactly what United are doing. Yeah, and they and they have no fear. They have nothing to hold them back. Like, you know, that's that's why it's it does flatter Solskjaer, of course. But, you know, you still have to be a brave person to do that, to go to Man United and go, you know what, we're going to have a bit of a game plan. But what we're going to do is just say, guys, just just go. That's that's what it is. Just rely on your instincts. Hit these points at certain things, and like follow up here, or or this is how you set it up for the set pieces, etc. But just go and play, and that and that's what they've been allowed to do, and it's and it's working. It's been ridiculous to watch. They were, 
I don't remember exactly how far behind they were, but I want to say it was the double digits in terms of points when Mourinho left. And now they've just passed Arsenal and they're only two points behind Chelsea. And they just don't seem like slowing down at all. And Chelsea's upcoming run of fixtures are not good. No, and and yeah, it it exactly shows how far they are because I I can't pull up the exact numbers. But, you know, when Mourinho was fired, they, they were in sixth. They then won six games in a row and were still sixth. Right, exactly. So that's kind of how how far off the beat. I think you're right. I think it was about ten points on on fifth, and just to just keep going and just be relentless in this juggernaut of, you know, they don't they don't care if they lose really. They're they're playing with absolutely no fear and and nothing holding them back, which is a very dangerous situation for any team that's coming up to face them because I don't think you can legitimately know what United are going to do. Right, and they between now and March. They have Liverpool in there, so obviously that's a hard fixture, but they're playing Fulham, Palace, and Southampton in their next four. So, like, that doesn't, you know, you talk about them kind of putting away lower t- lower table teams. Like, all three of those teams are very far down the table and in the very much in that relegation conversation. And so, like, that doesn't really look like slowing down anytime soon. And now you're looking at game week 30, and United have been red hot. And who knows what can go from there? Because if that's so late in the season, like I don't know, I I'm I as a Chelsea fan am very worried about United slash jealous because they have Paul Pogba, who's one of my favorite players, and they're just scoring free flowing, beautiful attacking football and then playing with no fear, and it, it's really like upsetting to have to watch <laughs> as a Chelsea fan. I think it's upsetting to watch as a football fan just seeing Man United be good again. It was yeah. fun while it lasted, kids. I know, and and the flip side of that is Chelsea, you know, Chelsea, which I guess we should talk about them, because um, <laughs> they are next. Oh, the sorrow, just the oh, the the sad. Oh, I feel bad for you, mate. Yeah, really well, do. you know how bad can you feel? We did win five zero in our most recent match. Yeah, but against Huddersfield. <laughs> That's exactly what I tweeted from. I think I retweeted it from the Miles Outside account, but I tweeted it from myself like, you know, oh, haters will say it's just Huddersfield, to which I say, yeah, okay, fine, but like, we need this. Yeah, we need this, guys. Just let that me is have after, this. <laughs> after getting battered 4 0, like, that is just the tonic you need. That's the, that's, ah, uh, that's a mighty fine tall drink of Wilder. There it is. And in all my years as a Chelsea fan, which is coming up on like 15 ish years now, I never have been so ashamed and angry at the team as I was after that 4-0 loss. Like, that is hands down, and I'm, like, not even, like, it's been almost a week now, so, like, the sort of initial raw emotion of it is gone. Like, that is the worst performance I have ever seen out of Chelsea. They were so fucking bad. So bad. I was so angry. And then he comes out, and after that fucking performance, which was terrible, he doubles down and is like, well, they just haven't learned my system. They need to stick with the system. They need to blah, 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 blah. Like, and throwing shade at his players. Like, And they came out and they won 5-0 against Huddersfield, which is great. Fine. Um, and Iguain looked good. Hazard looks good <laughs> on the left side. Yeah, I know Iguain. Wait, you want to talk about Iguain <laughs> for a sec? No, I just like the, the, the pain in your voice of Chelsea being crap. Is very similar to the pain of you admitting that Higuain is doing well. I'm loving this. I'm good. <laughs> no, more like I, I. The first thing I said was I don't think he's going to do well, but I hope I'm wrong. 
and you know, one good match doesn't a season give make. yourself that get out clause, of course, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I am like, I would be happy to be proven wrong. Um, so you know how people look for silver silver linings in bad situations to try to like put push themselves through. I'm kind of to the point where I'm doing the opposite, and I'm looking for the like. <laughs> You're looking know. for the cloud. Yeah, looking for the cloud in the 5-0 win. And that cloud <laughs> is very much that it was only against Huddersfield, which you're right to point out and say. But also that he ran out the same fucking lineup that he has all season with the same fucking tactics. Like, why is Alonso back in the lineup? Because why when is... he dropped him, they lost 4-0, mate. <sighs> Defensive powerhouse Marcus Alonso, he clearly he leads from the front, man. That's, that's I can't. What you clear, I, can't. You, I don't think you understand. I don't think you understand the way Marcus thinks, um, and and how he is revolutionising the game of defending. Um, so you know, egg on your face, sir. Yeah, absolutely. So my uh, jokes aside, because fucking, I have no spirit for jokes with this team. I my worry is that they're going to take the wrong lessons out of that five zero win. Specifically, so what lessons? What are they going to take? What are you worried they'll take from it? That we're going to keep seeing Willian and Alonso over and over again instead of, like, give Callum Hudson-Odoi a chance. Like, forget about youth and, and like, wanting to keep him above. Like, I think he's genuinely probably our second best winger at this point, given the form of Pedro and Willian. Why isn't he playing? And now we got a 5-0 result, so we might not see him for another two fucking months. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want that lineup to keep happening. I don't want this system to keep happening. Like... We don't need a manager who has passion for the game. We need a manager who is adaptable and flexible. And if anything, this is going to make him more rigid. And the problem is very much how stuck he is in this system, how stuck he is in his ways. Right? Like, I said that on Twitter. I was like, if we have to sacrifice Jorginho, who's a nice guy and a good player, to sort of realize that we need to do something different with this system and we can't just keep bashing our heads against the same wall, then so be it. And then, of course, this comes out and happens and now we're going to just keep going as we're going and then the next month i don't know if you've seen chelsea's upcoming fixtures but i'm just pulling them up right now in the next month chelsea have uh man city followed by malmo followed by united followed by malmo again followed by city and then followed by tottenham and that takes us to march so like you know malmo isn't great um but it's europa league so they're gonna try to win that and to be going into that run of fixtures with the idea that what we're doing is working, we just need to continue to be patient with it, because look, we got a 5-0 against Huddersfield, is like very alarming to me. I don't want to see this to keep going. I want, if anything, I want us to hit rock bottom so that we realize that we have to change. You know what I mean? Like right now we're a drug addict and we happened, or a, let's say a gambling addict, and we happen to have had a good weekend at the tables. And we're like, see, we're doing the right thing. Just got to keep playing blackjack until it all works out. And it's like, ah, I'm not happy. So what you're saying is you just want your Wenger moment. Yeah. You're, you're almost becoming like an Arsenal fan. That It's just, it's so dogmatic, it's not going to change. And you just need everything to go proper shit. Not to him to get keep getting given the lifeline so that you can actually change something. I am officially on sorry out. And normally, like, I'm one of the more, I, or at least I like to think that I'm one of the more level-headed fans in the Chelsea community because there's a lot of very intense and bad Chelsea fans. And I would be preaching, like, you know, guys, it's his first season, blah, blah, blah. But, like, it's not so much that we've been bad in a manager's first season as much as he refuses to see the problems and he shows no signs of wanting to change or mm. even thinking that anything is wrong. 
And so if someone's just going to be stubborn like that, like, I'm on, I'm sorry out officially. Like, I'm done with him. So we'll see. Oh, and Hazard, by the way, said that he has made up his mind as far as what he's doing this summer officially, but he doesn't want to tell the club yet. AKA, that strongly implies he's going to Real Madrid, so fuck my life. It's not like Hazard to keep giving out cryptic messages, is it? Yeah. Ugh. All right, well, moving on, because we do got to get to the last bit, which is everybody always talks about the big six, the top six, but there are another six teams that are very, very closely matched, and that is the teams from 13th to 18th. Chuck, it looks like we're going to have quite the race for that last relegation spot. Huddersfield and Fulham are kind of like too far behind at this point. Doing Lord's work, Huddersfield and Fulham. God bless you all. Yeah. Thank you. Huddersfield, uh, they... Do you know when they last won a game? Um, no, I don't. 25th of November. Woo! Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not two, good. Well, they only two have two wins, wins this season, so... Two wins all season, so at the minute, I'm pretty sure the Derby record is up for grabs, which was 12... Well, they're on 11 already, so... Yeah, I believe I misquoted that, but I don't see them even getting another point. Like, oh... oh, oh yeah. Oh. Well, to take it to the 18th, we have Cardiff on 22. Then very, very closely above that are three teams on 24 points, which are Burnley, Southampton, and Newcastle. Then only two more points above that are you guys, Palace on 26, and then Brighton on 27. So from 13th to 18th, which is six teams, is five points separating them. And it like it looks like it could be even even Palace and Brighton, I think, are a little pretty safe as far as being where they are. But certainly Newcastle, Southampton, Burnley and Cardiff are all looking around at each other being like, which one of us is going to be the one to go down? Yeah, especially from a Palace point of view, when you look at our upcoming fixtures, because we, we have West Ham at home. Um, and then obviously there's a little bit of a break. So there's a two week break in the Premier League. Um, and then we've got Leicester away, then the Man United at home game, which isn't great. Um, although it is at home. Uh, we've then got Burnley and Brighton. So four out of the next five are arguably winnable, and it's all teams that are kind of in and around the area, either, either just slightly above or, or below where we are. So it's, this is kind of the time where potentially in five games' time we could be saying that we're out of the woods really sure although the flip side of that is those are the worst possible teams to drop points against yeah maybe not necessarily because Leicester West Ham and Brighton make up the three teams that are completely placed right above us so that's not the end of the world because you know there's there there is still a bit of a pack behind us uh it's that Burnley result that is big but I think if we can out of those five fixtures if we can get nine points out of that to put us on 35 um, that'll be good. With with eight games left, with thirty five points, yeah. You think really look, looking logically at, at this season that you'd be okay. Well, and the other thing for Palace too is that like, sure they're pretty close to eighteenth, but in terms of points, but there are four teams beneath them, so four teams would have to make up ground for them to fall down into eighteenth, which is highly unlikely. Yeah, and like you said, at this point, you know, all those teams are playing for for kind of one place now. Cardiff, I think the last win has kind of blinkered people's views of Cardiff a bit because they they have been a bit better, but they are still 
garbage. Um, Burnley are starting to go, you know, back to classic Burnley. Like I said, they are unbeaten in six games, uh, had three wins, then three draws. Um, so if they can, you know, sustain that with another game against Brighton next uh, this weekend, sorry, um, that would be good for them. Southampton under Hassan Hootel, you know, they're five games unbeaten and starting to do well. Newcastle, albeit they had the great result uh, against Man City and beat fellow relegation uh, rivals Cardiff, they're still not looking amazing all the time on a consistent basis. So I, d- I, d- I don't stress too much, actually, weirdly, at this point, even though it is four points. Um, I, th- I think we can be looking up the table still yeah i I would agree with that yeah and and it's not like me especially at this kind of part of the season to be any sort of optimistic but i really (laughs) think i really think that um you know bringing back sacco um who is playing for a contract because he only has a contract to the end of the season Mm. and uh last year you know down the stretch he was pivotal for us um, any any Palace fan will be able to tell you that he scored some crucial goals. Batshuayi instantly, you know, he's not coming from being completely out in the doldrums. He's been playing this year. Um, although things didn't work out for him at Valencia, he is a quality quality player. He really um, is. Maybe not Chelsea starting standard, but but certainly up there. And and if you're if you're any player that can be considered for being in Chelsea starting eleven, then you know you're doing something right, uh, footballing sure. wise. Absolutely. And see, yeah, seeing his quality, his quick feet uh, to get a couple of shots off, and one oh, that obviously he was very parried. nearly scored too. That oh, would have been so close, fucking gorgeous. Yeah, it would have been. So, just seeing that kind of glimmer gives me gives me quite a bit of hope. So it's good because defensively, you know, we're still solid. Uh, one outside of the top four, I think we're fifth for clean sheets. We've had nine clean sheets this year. Yeah, and your xga is is very good. Yeah, exactly. So I'm not super worried, but I, it's it's good. It's it's interesting. Again, I could just definitely do without Cardiff, kind of, and and being led by Colin Warlock and his evil magic, <laughs> um, kind of creeping up there. Well, so if you're not worried about Palace particularly, which of those four teams would you be worried for if you were a fan of them? I think so. From what we've said before, obviously having the the consistency in the Premier League or. or the recent history of being in the Premier League can benefit you. And I think that's probably why Burnley now have just been able to slowly build up, build up and then drag themselves out of the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, it's kind of like we said before with Man United being sixth. Burnley unbeaten in six games, three wins, three draws, and they're still 17th. Yeah. Kind of shows how far off the pace they were and then to, to bring themselves back up. We know they don't score a lot of goals, but traditionally they don't concede a lot. Um, they just brought in, you know, they brought in Peter Crouch for God's sake. Like they have to stay up. <laughs> I want him gone. Like if I if I could pick one of those four teams to like send down, I would fucking get rid of Burnley. I'm so tired of them defying XG. Like as a stats person, just seeing them still in the fucking table being the worst fucking team with their underlying numbers and somehow managing to survive year after year. Like just You just, just want to tidy up the outliers. Yeah, Is that just what you're get saying? rid. Just get in the bin. Like So so who <laughs> are you putting so who are you putting most likely to go down then of those four? Um I think it'll be Cardiff. Okay. I can be with that. I do. I think I think you're pretty much gonna look 
Fulham can maybe get a couple of results in there if Ranieri does some magic and, and can come close, but I think they are gone. Um, Huddersfield, there's just surely it can't it can't happen. Um, I kind of like Newcastle to go down again in a weird way because then maybe just Mike Ashley would disappear. Um, which he's never going anywhere, man. He's just <laughs> not going anywhere. Yeah, funnily enough, uh, negotiations to sell the club have hit a snag again. Oh no! Um, so, so it's almost surprising. like it's the same. It's almost like it's the same cycle as last year. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think the bottom three will kind of stay as it is, uh, especially with this weekend. Um, Southampton are playing Cardiff, so they can get themselves a five-point cushion on that. Yep. Of the other three teams that are currently not quite there with the, the ones that are on 24 points, I would say Southampton are the one that I worry about the most just because they seem so shaky. Like Newcastle are underperforming mm. because they're boring and fuck, fuck them, whatever. And Burnley like – the top of the pitch. Yeah, top of the pitch. Right. And Burnley are Burnley and we've, we we spent a lot of time talking about Burnley and god damn it, I just wish they would go away. But like they'll find some weirdo way, especially now that Tom Heaton is back. Like he, you know – in the past, has kind of pushed them difference. over. Yeah, he really does make a difference. So on that note, that wraps up part one. We will take a quick break. We will come back with some questions and social media and listener stuff and et cetera, et cetera. And we'll see you guys in a little bit. Welcome back to Miles Offside Podcast, where we've been talking a bit of deep dives on all of the top six, as well as kind of the bottom six and a half-ish. This is the part of the podcast where we throw it open to you guys to get involved, and we ask for questions from here, there, and everywhere, be that on Twitter, at Miles Offside Pod, Facebook, Miles Offside, or our email account, milesoffsidepod at gmail.com. We've had plenty of questions coming this week, but just before we get to that, just want to give another quick plug of our Patreon page. Uh, this patreon.com forward slash miles offside pod, where you can go on there and uh, subscribe to bonus features, be that with podcasts, uh, Oscar's nerdy newsstand, I just talk a load of crap, <laughs> Ian gives some FBL advice opinions let's let's just call it opinions yeah words recorded into the audio medium and you can choose from all kinds of different tiers you get all kinds of things so as much or as little as you can give we we hugely appreciate it and and thank you guys um for all of your support shout outs retweets likes all of that stuff but yeah as we mentioned earlier ian is ill Ooh, poor ian Oh, oh, he just couldn't take the bullying this week, I think. <laughs> so in the true Ian Stimson style of phoning it in, he has literally phoned it in with questions, which we will get now. So what's the first question? Dave Matteo asks, is there a sport slash league you wish you supported but just can't really get into? I don't know. Do you, do you follow like any other sports? You mentioned a few times yeah, about basketball. Yeah, I follow basketball really very, very closely. Um, I used to be into baseball mostly when I lived in New York uh, because it was fun to go to Yankee games uh, with my brother. Right. Um, I, I still love the Yankees, but like it, I don't really watch that many matches cause, or games, I should say. Um, it's pretty boring. Uh, I guess to directly answer Dave's question, 
uh, NFL football. Like as an American, it's it's just tough not being into football. Everybody thinks I'm weird. I just don't care about it. Like I just, I'll watch a game and be like, oh, that was good. Like I watched the Super Bowl on Sunday, which right. was a horrible, boring Super Bowl. Yeah, I heard the score was like thirteen three. It's like I'm so glad I didn't stay up for that. Um, I think the most entertaining thing relating to the Super Bowl, other than the Avengers trailer, which if you're a Patreon subscriber, tune in on Friday to the Nerdy News and we'll get into that, uh, was seeing Harry Kane at the Super Bowl wearing Patriots gear. And then uh, someone on Twitter made a joke that he flew all the way to America just to see a completed stadium and touch a trophy. <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, the NFL, like it, just as an American, it's it's tough socially not being into the NFL because it comes up so often and people are always kind of like give you a weird side eyes look when you're not into it. Um, but it just, uh, I don't know, it doesn't call to me. Yeah, I find it quite strange, especially when you consider, like we've touched on it before, how many games in basketball, baseball and hockey has tons of yep. games as well, mm-hmm. right? In a season. Yeah, yeah. That like... Because those are kind of sports that all of them that I apart from baseball I don't really have an interest in, but I just can't follow it. There's just too much that happens, and it's weird that there is such a difference between you know basketball season, which is obviously it's 92 games in regular. Yep. 90 so 92 games regular, potentially a 28 game playoff series. So so that takes you up to 120 games in a season. But NFL, you have a 16-game regular season. Yeah, it's crazy. Like three or four games for the playoffs. Yeah, it's really crazy. And so it, it does seem really strange to me how there's such a huge difference just in the sheer number and volume of games there are and how frequent yeah. they well, are. Well, that's because playing football literally destroys your body. So they can't really play more often than once a week. And like guys get into the NFL and then they're out of the league in like three, four years because it just like really fucking destroys you unless you're a quarterback. Tom Brady's 90 years old and still winning Super Bowls out here, but most regular players, like, get in, get out. So I think that's more to do with that. Um, But the big thing to me, at least as far as, like, sports I can enjoy and sports I don't particularly enjoy, is the whole, like, this is true for football and also baseball, the stop-start nature of it. Mm -hmm. Like, that's why immediately, like, I've always been a basketball guy since I was a kid, um, which can get a bit start-stop towards the end of the games when people are fouling a lot, but... The first time really I got into soccer, I was like, oh, this is fucking amazing. You mean they just play for 45 minutes and there's no timeouts or commercials? Like, what? <laughs> Whereas you look at football and there's a commercial every two seconds. And it's like, I just, I don't know, man. I, I like that soccer players have to figure it out on the fly. Like, even in basketball, you get a timeout. The coach tells you what, what they notice, what they haven't noticed. But, like, soccer players are just kind of out there. And they're it's a constantly moving, fluid kind of game. And that's what I really love about it. And so that's sort of what stops me from being more into baseball and football. Are there any, like, sports over there that are, like, less popular that you wish you watched? Like, I know rugby and cricket are kind of not as big as football, but they're they're in the conversation. Yeah, that's kind of it, really. We don't, yeah, we don't, we don't really play anything else. Like, yeah, we have basketball team, but they suck. Yeah, we have American football teams, but they suck. There's American football teams in England? Yeah, I used to play a long time ago. Like professional though? Uh, no, it's it's not of that standard. But they okay. do because obviously I think it was close to happening. But then there was NFL Europe a long time ago, but that all folded. Yeah. Um, most of the teams were in Holland and Germany. Um, and so there there is like a massive demand for it. But they they go around and play like college teams every so often on tour, like the Great Britain team, and not even okay. like decent college teams, and they get slaughtered. 
by like <laughs> all of them. So it's yeah. yeah, it's it's not really done here. It is kind of football, rugby, cricket are kind of the big three. Um, Do you watch either rugby or cricket particularly closely? Or no, it's it's not something I'll seek out to watch. Like a, a day at the cricket's really good. I imagine kind of similar to baseball, but less rowdy. Like you just you go to hang out with your buddies and, and drink some beers and chat and there's something going on. Yeah, like yeah, that's, yeah exactly. that's kind of it. Like if you go to the cricket on a nice day, you know, you can sit there and watch cricket for five hours, but it's more just the fact that there is something going on whilst you kind of have lunch or get a few beers or, or that kind of thing. So that is a really enjoyable day out. And it's like, you can get tickets for like 10 pounds for games. And like, you can be oh, there for the whole day. Yeah. Be yeah, there for the whole day. That's cheaper than a movie ticket. Yeah. No, it, is, it really is. Um, and then rugby is always the one that comes up in the conversation as football with everyone saying like, oh, this one's superior, this one's superior. Oh, these fans are gentlemen, oh, these players and whatever. And it's just the constant ongoing stupid war of attrition of bullshit because, you know, there's wankers everywhere. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't really, again, the sport that... You know, I played rugby way more than I played football. Like, I, I never played football for any sort of team or representation and, and stopped playing, really. When I hit 11, I played rugby for my school for seven years straight. And I don't watch any of them. So, right. I can still enjoy it if it's on or watch it, but I'd never seek it out to, to, to watch it. What about you, Ian? Are there any uh, ancient games that are still played that you like? Hmm. Any uh, Zimmer frame racing squads or uh, really into the chariots? Mahjong players championships. Yeah, All right. he can't come back. I wonder if he's going to edit stuff in. I hope so. It'd be really funny if he did. Yeah, just let's like, see. Just drop in like, oh, you're a. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Oscar got to say it. Yay! Yay! Bleep me. All right, Ian, you old fuck. What's the next question? Adam P asks, is Mustafi the worst centre-back in the top half? Adam P, you have a very... Without providing any evidence, backup, or anything like that, I'm I'm inclined to believe that Mustafi could be one of the worst centre-backs. I mean, I've recently seen a, a compilation, like a, a tweet thread, of just some of the awful awful decision as he makes like, well that recently that ridiculous offside line <laughs> oh god yeah that's the one from like the last oh my god like it was so bad you just how can you be so clueless like it, it baffles me like that's where i understand the argument when people go like how much do you get paid a week like literally just should get taken away from you if you're that bad <laughs> It reminds me of, and, and you must know this from, from basketball, and this is why I wish it could come over here, like the American style. Um, obviously, the, the feature that happens, which is shacked in a fall. Oh, yeah. I, I just wish that could happen over here, and, and I'm pretty sure Mustafi could be the Premier League equivalent of JaVale McGee. Like, he really <laughs> could. <laughs> just every week featuring, of doing like... I, you know what I'm going to do when you have the ball in my own pe in my penalty area? I'm going to do a sit-down tackle on you. That's what I'm going <laughs> to do. Or, you know what, I'm going to allow Aguero to back into me and then let him sprint off and score one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. Honestly, uh, can I just say I'm weirdly proud of you, Chuck? For First of all, for knowing 
the, about Shaq and a fool. I don't even need. I, I've already, I'm already fully erect, buddy. So you know <laughs> you can keep going, but it's just going to start hurting. Uh, but also, I assumed you were just going to use this as an excuse to dig on Louise, but you didn't. So good job there. Moving on, Ian. What's the next question? Adam P. Who's been the best young player in the league this season? I mean, why is he asking me? Because it's Aaron Wambisaka, just hands down. I have to agree with that. Like, it's not even, like, jokes aside, like, he's just been fantastic. It's not even, like, of course, there are, there. chances are there are probably better young players in the league than him. Not necessarily by huge margins, but for sort of technical ability and potential to score, but... None of them have had chances to play. When they have had chances to play, we've seen them once or twice here or there. He's played every single game this season, barring those where he's been suspended. And he he just has been phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, if you look at his underlying numbers in like a bunch of categories, not just tackles, he's like, he's Bayern Munich level good. And he's doing it for Palace. And he won't win like best young player in the league award, which is going to go to fucking... Marcus Rashford probably, who's been really yeah. good. Yeah, and 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 I I can I can concede that because Rashford, although it hasn't been consistently over the whole season, of course, but that's not necessarily his fault. But yeah, especially under Solskjaer, the guy's flown. Yeah, well, and like strikers get all the glory and defenders get none. So like, Wan-Bissaka should be winning awards, but he won't. Mm. But he's like genuinely one of the best fullbacks in the world. Full stop. Forget about Young, forget about in the English League. Like, So, I honestly, I don't think he's going to be at Palace for much longer just because he's, like, way too good. Um, and I have to think that, like, the bigger clubs are noticing his numbers. Like, it's not just going to be stats nerds on Twitter that have noticed this. No, no, no. It's meant to be – it's Man City have come out recently and, and that, that Pep's going to get him because, you know, for his position at right back, Carl Walker's kind of on the wane a little bit, isn't really being spoken about as much. So, you know, you could see him as being a replacement there, which which pains me to say. But it's also, you know, it's it's horrible to see those players go. But, you know, when it's someone like that and and how good he is, you know, I definitely think it would be too soon since he has, you know, if if he stays at Palace, you know, surely he sees a he has Zaha there at the moment, obviously, who can teach him from experience that like going to a big club young very very rarely ever works out uh, as sure. happened in his case and also you know he's gonna get game time at palace and he's gonna play every single game he can which means he is gonna play against big teams get more experience and continue to develop like he's he's 21 yeah. he doesn't need to rush whatsoever and that's not me that's no. not me trying to to deny the fact that he'll go somewhere else because it's it's completely understandable and justifiable and I, I think it shows how great a defender he is when the fact that the only thing people can criticize him about or say is just like, yeah, but he doesn't get goals or assists. And it's like, but he's an elite level defender. I know there's yeah. the modern idea of the fullback of being this bombing forward guy like Marcus Alonso. But, you know, there are huge faults in that person's game as well. When you can turn around and say, yeah, OK, Marcus Alonso has loads of goals and assists, but he can't defend for shit, which is his job. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, like, that's the one position that Chelsea don't at all have room to improve in or need anything like that. Because Aspilicueta is, I think, in my opinion, and probably I'm being biased, but I think he's, like, the best defender in the league, slash maybe in the world. And, like, I think a lot of other players would come out and say that, like, have come out and said that specifically. So I'd, 
we have no interest in a right back anytime soon. Otherwise, I'd be like salivating at the thought of one Bissaka wearing blue. But he's he's yeah. I think we can both agree he's been the best young player of this league. Yeah. So, next question. Adam P. What's your worst Valentine's Day experience? Valentine's Day. You're you're a cheesy kind of guy, aren't you, Oscar? You've probably had some. You must have done something horrendous on Valentine's Day. Surely. <laughs> I saw a glimmer there. I saw a glimmer in your eye there. Something came to oh, mind. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I was like 19, I want to say, so pretty young still, I had gotten a restaurant uh, reservation at like one of the fanciest, most expensive restaurants in New York. And then there was a blizzard because <laughs> Valentine's Day is in February and it tends to snow in February. And it was like, it was in the middle of the blizzard. Like it was coming down. There had been like, I don't know, a foot maybe of accumulation and it was still coming down like really hard. But I wow. stubbornly in my head was like, nope, I got this reservation at this amazing restaurant. We are going to this restaurant. And the girl I was with at the time was like, uh, this seems like a bad idea. <laughs> like, I don't know that we should be doing this. But I was like, no, we're fucking going. Get dressed up. Like, we're going out. This is happening. Uh, and we did, and we made it to the city. We were, like, the only people in Times Square. It was dead empty. Um, we got to the restaurant, and they were like, what the fuck? What are you doing here? <laughs> like, go home. <laughs> um, and, you know, our, our, like, our shoes were ruined, and our clothes, like, we were wearing nice clothes. Everything everything was bad. They did serve us, because we were at the restaurant, and they were open. Uh, and then getting back home was just, like, a disaster, because all the trains were delayed, all the buses were delayed, everything was everything was bad. We definitely had no business being outside, but, you know, stubborn 19-year-old me was like, I got this crazy reservation, it was impossible to get, we're fucking using it. I like how they turn around to you in the restaurant whilst they are working with no one else there, saying, what are you doing here? You should go home. I think it's yeah. more a case, what the hell are they doing there? Like, Yeah, they shouldn't have been open. No, just endorsing this crazy Valentine's behaviour. Yeah, what about you? I, I actually don't have anything. I don't know bad Valentine's experience. I mean, I've, I, when I was a teenager, I broke up with a girl like a week before Valentine's, so I didn't have to buy her a present. Oh, yeah, that's the move, for sure. Yeah, you break up the week before the birthday or the week before Valentine's Day so that you don't have to buy a gift instead of the week after. Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a, a month window between my birthday and Valentine's Day, so, you know, I can get a present and then... Off you go. <laughs> Moving on. Adam P. Most overrated and underrated biscuits. Now, first of all... Oh, uh, yeah, this was always going to come. When you say biscuits, come, what yeah. are biscuits? Because this is a completely different word. Like, we need to first get on the same page as far as, like, I'll, you know, whatever you guys consider biscuits, I'll answer. Biscuits, you know, you know what we consider biscuits, because we've had this discussion. <laughs> biscuits are not necessarily cookies, but closest to in America. And American biscuits are savory scones. Yeah, that sounds right. That's yeah. that's it. So don't be coming in with your transatlanticisms. All right. So we're talking cookies. We're talking about overrated and underrated cookies. Overrated, underrated cookies. I'm going out on a limb here. And I'm putting it there, especially to an American. That's the most overrated biscuit stroke cookie Oreos. Damn, those are fighting words. Overrated. I hate no. Oreos. No, they're so good. No, how dare you? Oh, this is why we need Ian here because he can settle this. No, we don't need him here. They're an institution. They're delicious. It's the best cookie in the world. Like it's it's the best cookie. 
No, it's not. Other than like soft bake, like homemade soft bake cookies are like a whole different thing. Oh yeah. Wait, do you guys have soft bake cookies over there? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Just like the stuff that like falls apart and just like nah, 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 and there's chunks. Oh, it's and... gooey. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's That's like the good stuff. It's it's only a few degrees from go- actually going back to like moldable dough it's just... yeah that's right <laughs> that's the one and so are we saying that's the most underrated is like basically undercooked doughy cookies yeah i think so when you like you don't even need teeth to eat them and it's just no, like not at falling all. apart and that's yeah sometimes that's just what you need yeah i don't know really about apart from obviously you know i said oreos overrated because yeah everyone goes on about them so that's overrated Trying to think of ones that you would know. Uh, custard creams are amazing. They're just a basic. They're kind of, I don't know. If you think of the formula a bit, it's like a vanilla Oreo with like okay. a like a plain biscuit, but it's just just much nicer. You would like that more than an Oreo. Yeah. Fucking English people. Ah, Oreos are too spicy. Can we get a plain version of it? <laughs> Can we get a watered down, diluted version of this? Oh, uh, jeez. Can I say cookies in general are overrated? I'm not a big fan of cookies. I'm much more about like a cake or like a pastry, like a give me a cannoli any day. Oh, forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about <laughs> it. I, I get what you mean. I don't know because I like biscuits. I can I can smash a whole bottle, like a whole packet of biscuits easy. Uh, like I, Are I people think people really into biscuits. Yeah, more because it's like with tea and and coffee and stuff oh, like yeah. that. So yeah, yeah, you guys but, do love but, your tea. Yeah, but I th- so I think American cookies because. I don't know. I think when anyone thinks of cookies, kind of the first kind of thing that comes to mind is something like a Chips Ahoy. Yeah, Perhaps sure. or like, like that style, like small, like chocolate chip. And so those ones, that style, I think you're right. I think that's overrated. But once you start to get into it more, I think English biscuits aren't as sweet as like American cookies. And that's kind of okay. the distinction between the two. And they're gotcha. more like solid and hardy, but... Golden Crunch Creams, Foxes. I don't know if you can get Foxes biscuits over there, but like... None of these things mean anything. This is a hard conversation to have without Ian here. Yeah, damn, you should have Foxes biscuits. And also look up the old advertising campaigns, which made no sense that it was it was a panda, an animated panda, who spoke like he was the godfather, and he didn't say Foxes biscuits, he called them Foxes biscuits. Okay. <laughs> Go get the packet, tell him when he sent you. And it, it well, just I makes guess no we know sense. what the preview with no context is going to be this week. Set that one up. I love those yeah. adverts. They were, they were so good. They made no sense. So yeah, Golden Crunch Creams, when you come over, or if you can find them, because, I don't know, there's probably like a, an English shop somewhere that you can get like, no. some stuff. <laughs> no. No one's selling English food outside of England, <laughs> bud. Sorry. Got in for you. That's why you can't have a proper breakfast. Oh, I know. Oh. That's the most underrated. I don't care if it's a biscuit. Just can I just get an English full English breakfast? breakfast. Okay, so like there we go. Up, we came to in true miles offside answer we, style. We came to the correct answer, which is the most underrated biscuit is a full English breakfast. There it is. There it is. All right. Next question. Adam P, what's your coffee order? Oh, they're gonna. You're gonna expect me to go hipster or something with this, aren't oh, 100%, you? You're yeah. gonna say what? What? What do you think I'm gonna do? Like a, a orange mocha frappa lappuccino or some a macchiato? Fair trade, and it can't be normal milk. It's got to be lacto-free almond yeah, yeah, yeah. tree sap infused. Do you know uh, Kepi Luwak? Have you ever heard of that? Uh no. What? 
It's a it's like a super expensive coffee. I know this from the movie The Bucket List. I think is the name of the movie with Morgan Freeman and Jack Nicholson, where they like are old. Ah, uh, yeah, I watched that a long time ago. That was a good movie. I love that movie. I've seen it a bunch of times. I don't know why I like it. It's weird, but I do. Um, because it's Morgan but, Freeman and Jack Nicholson. Sure, there you go. Jack Nicholson drinks like that the world's most expensive coffee, and it's it grows on poop basically it's like the moral of the story oh yeah it's the one that, that like elephants eat the beans and because like the outside of the the coffee is so hard that it, you can't break it apart so the elephants eat it and then by it going through their poop it breaks it down enough that you can like open it or harvest it in a way yeah right so they get it they dig it out of the poop <laughs> and then that's the coffee beans they use and it's supposed to be like the best coffee in the world or at least the most expensive. So I figured you were going to answer with some hipster nonsense, like some poop coffee that is like overpriced or whatever. What is, what is your real answer? I'm curious. Um, I just most of the time just like just black coffee. Yeah, like, I'm black? not. Yeah, yeah. No milk, no sugar. No, not really. Sometimes, like if I'm a bit hungover, I might put some in, or usually like I might make a latte or, or something, or get get one from the shop uh, if I do yeah. go past or after dinner. Often I'll just have espresso. Because I quite like a quick oh, espresso. Oh, I love a cappuccino after dinner. I suppose it's a bit sweeter or stuff. But no, no, there's no hipster. I like milk. I like full fat milk. If I'm going to have like a, a latte or, or, you know, whatever it is, flat white or, you know, all this stuff. I don't want you to ask me, tell me where the beans are coming from. I don't want you to offer me four different things. You don't, don't like a nitro brew or a cold brew? Be, no, I don't want a, a cold brew. I don't want a French, a, what is it called? Something press, nitro, bollocks. French press, right? Well, actually, no, to be fair, I have a French press, but that's just because it's... <laughs> yeah, but that's not that's not that bad. That's just a cafeteria. I don't actually know that's, what that is. That's classic. I can't remember. Where it's like drip. There's there's somewhere it like it drips for ages and it's like that. I think thing. that's nitro brew. I don't actually uh, know. It, yeah, exactly. This is it. Uh, so that's why I don't care. I'm drinking caffeine because chances are I'm either tired or I'm angry. So just give me stuff <laughs> and here's my money and let me move on with my life. Um, yeah. If we're gonna go for adverts, actually, and this is, uh, it was just the most perfect advert i've ever seen and it was by mcdonald's it wasn't that long ago maybe two to three years ago max and they did an advert which took the piss out of all of those coffee places and it started off by like yeah the hipster things and they're doing their thing or they're like trying to do like the art in the thing or you know someone tries to take their coffee and they say wait and then they're like put like another bean on or they're doing this or they're offering them 17 different kinds of milk and then charge them like 12 quid afterwards. That's and then funny. It, it, it ends with just someone walking into McDonald's and going, I'll have a black coffee, please. And literally the woman hands it to him, says two pounds, takes the money, and then the guy moves on with his life. Nice. That's awesome. There's another one that I'm going to share out. Adverts. That's what we're doing yeah. this week. So McDonald's black coffee. That's Chuck's answer. Oh, no. McDonald's coffee is dog shit, but I just really <laughs> like the advert. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, I guess mine would be... Um... You know, like you, I just like a pretty regular coffee, but if I'm feeling like a little exotic, I'll go for a a vanilla latte with an extra shot in there. So kind of the extra shot will weigh it down a bit, but the vanilla brings it up. It's kind of like a nice balance. You know, that's nice. Yeah, why not? I used to be like horrendously addicted to coffee. Now I mostly don't drink it just to stay away because I can't handle it. (laughs) Um, But I used to be up to like seven cups a day 
and I was like, oh, wow, I gotta, I lot. gotta stop. To be fair, I was about the same. Yeah, maybe even yeah. more. Um, now I'll have like a few a month, if even that. Yeah. The thing I don't understand with coffee is the consistency. Like you don't. So I, when I when I ran a coffee shop for a while, it was really hard to to understand. So for example, if if you order a large coffee rather than like a medium, so say like a latte, is that because you want more milk or you want more of the same in a different ratio or you just want an extra shot in there? Like, what does it mean? What does the size mean? How much do you do? Every place does a different amount of coffee. That's true. Yeah. Over here, all the coffees are like 19 gallons in a cup. Oh, venti, venti size or whatever it is. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because we all need a pint of latte. Fuck's sake, America. And that's usually why I just go for like espresso or like a just normal black, black coffee so that I don't have to deal with all the crap. Yeah, I, I don't know what goes into it as much as like just of all the things I've tried, I kind of narrowed down to the thing that tastes the best. And so I don't like I get a latte with an extra shot and that's what tastes nice to me. And of all the things I've had, that's the one. So Happy days. There you go. Yeah. All right. Next. Sam Danby asks, would you rather have feet for hands or hands for feet? Ooh, this is like the superpower question again. Now, this well, the superpower question was easy and obvious, so this one too. It's got to be hands for feet, right? Like, you you can't get through your life having foot hands. Like, how are you going to write, type, masturbate? Like, there's so many things you can't do with foot hands. <laughs> You'd have to have a foot fetish. You'd have to have a foot <laughs> fetish, and I don't. You would just have to. No, and that's the thing. Maybe the reason... Uh, they've asked this it's because do you think it's because we've chatted so much about socks that people think we love feet I don't know maybe I don't love feet because I can categorically say that it is it is I would rather have hands for feet because yeah, the reason sure. I like socks so much is because my feet are garbage and I want <laughs> something nice on them to make them feel a bit better but yeah. oh my god you could be like a monkey man you yeah, could exactly. like climb trees yeah, yeah, yeah. you could hang upside down you could I just, yeah, I I don't understand how this is even like a question. Is there anyone out there, listeners, let us know, would you pick feet hands? Because that seems crazy to me. It'd be quite difficult to run. Uh, I've seen X-Men First Class. Beast runs faster than anyone else, and it's because he's got opposable toes. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But would... That's science. Hang on, if we're changing feet for hands, does that also mean in terms of... Uh, structure we cha- we're changing legs for arms because legs don't move in the same way as arms so are, are we getting a greater range of motion out of the limbs as well hmm i'm curious this is not a visual medium but i'm looking at my arm <laughs> listeners, so. and we both did the same thing of yeah i'm looking down staring at my arm just dead air <laughs> <laughs> ian will cut out the dead air i'm sure no he won't no he um, won't <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, that would be it. And then yeah, yeah you how just would hand feet work trees? with calves and stuff? Like, calves and forearms are very different. Yeah, just the direction that they're like. I'm just looking at my elbow and how it bends, and I can put my hand towards my knee, but I can't put my toe towards like the side that my knee is on. Like it's it's like backwards. It doesn't work. That would be confusing. Yeah, I guess we have to decide. Are we talking about legs turn into arms, or are we just having feet at the end of our arms or hands at the end of our legs? I think we're delving a bit too far down the rabbit hole right now. Um, to be honest, I'd like to take the blue pill at this point. <laughs> right, let's move maybe on, come, maybe come back to it another time because that that bears thinking about. 
Yeah. I, I, I'm still pretty confident, though, that it's hands it's for feet. It's, ha- it's, hands, yeah, for it's feet. hands for feet. Yeah, it's okay. feet we'll work out hands. the logistics later, but it's, it's hands for feet. You wouldn't, you'd clap and it would just smell like cheese. I don't know. It'd be horrible. Disgusting. Yeah, no good. So there we go. Thank you, Ian from Ian from the future, Ian from the past, Ian from another well, time. Well, by the time this comes out, it'll be from the past. But from our perspective, it's the future. Wow. Right. Congratulations, Ian. From your from from the superhero power chat from last week, you are now officially a time traveler. You are both in the past and in the future at the same time. Um, so that's a pretty special form of flu you've got there. Um, so that about wraps it up for questions, guys. Thanks for getting in touch. As mentioned before, you can hit us on Twitter, Facebook, Gmail, and also ask us questions on our Patreon page, Miles Offside. No, patreon.com forward slash Miles Offside pod. Fuck. I already got it it right earlier as well. That's all right. I got it there. Now we're going to move into Oscar's favorite part of the show. It's the... Ooh, new tweeter. New tweeter. Well, no, what I'm going to do is is I'm going to leave a pause here and I'm going to see if Ian really is a super producer and he's going to go in somewhere and he's going to find... So listeners, potentially right now, all you just listened to was about five seconds of silence. So if all you heard was (laughs) silence then and you're hearing... Well, no, you will hear this anyway because this has got to stay in. This is great. I'm I'm really intricately weaving this to make his life hell. Yeah, it's impossible to cut. So just so you know, that means Ian would no longer be a super producer. Because he couldn't, he, he didn't cut a jingle. And he's been promising me a jingle for a long time, guys. He's promising me a jingle for a long time. So there you go. Either you got this, you got silence and this, or you got a jingle and this. So, you know. I hope, I really hope he just stuck the breaking news jingle in there. <laughs> yeah. Either way, you've wasted a lot of your life listening to this. So Predictor League. Um, Oscar, mate, mate. It was fun last while place. it lasted, but yes, yeah. you are yeah. eight points last. I can see this being a yo-yo. You are dangerously veering every so often, sort of like a pendulum going between Cardiff of kind of getting out of it, going to Huddersfield of no bloody chance at all. Yeah. Um, and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it, mate, because I can sit up there on my whilst you're on 80 points and I'm on my 66-point pedestal and laugh. Because Wolves are not going to finish 20th. I just want to hit that 100 mark before the season's over. <laughs> I don't think and you can And it's looking less now. and less likely, too. So, like, I don't even have that to hold on to. Yeah, it's sad. You came so close. So close. Uh, but to talk about the bit you care about. And, oh, reminder, actually, because we haven't actually spoken for a while. Like, if people have come in listening, like, what this is actually for. That this isn't just for bragging rights, necessarily. But the winner... Um, of the Predictor League, we'll get a... Is it 50 or 51? Make your mind up. 51. 51, okay. Just for the sake of dividing by three, the winner will get a £51 gift card to the club shop of their choice. Um, We'll be also running this next year as well and hopefully getting a bit bigger. So you never know with Patreon memberships and stuff, you know, if we can not be poor because, you know, children and shit, then we can get some uh, bigger and better prizes out there. Or if someone wants to sponsor us. Ding! Um, top three. In third place, patron of the pod, James Doncaster, 42 points. In second, Adam P on 40. And top, Padfall, 
on 36. So still very tight all to play for. Um, Ian's within touching distance of the top three as well in 48, and that's him in sixth. So Ian's having a bit of a blinder here. Yeah. He's, uh, he's pretty good. And um, if anyone cared about our uh, um, game, Oscar's opened it up to a three-point lead now. Ew. Three-point lead. I'm on 144. Oscar's on 147. Ian's on 196. Mm-hmm. Dangerously yeah. close to breaking the 200 mark. Yeah. So, yeah. But no, I guess about right. that. Let's, let's look towards the future and fixtures. Do we have to? Oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, ooh, ooh, ooh. No. Well, let's see, let's see what Oscar might be talking about, as it is uh, starts on Saturday, the 9th of February. Fulham versus Man United is the early fixture. Then Crystal Palace, West Ham, Huddersfield, Arsenal. That's just what Arsenal need after being beaten by City. Yep. Um, Liverpool, Bournemouth, Southampton, Cardiff, which, as we mentioned earlier, is a big game down at the bottom of the table. Um, Watford v Everton. Expect Black Cats. Brighton versus Burnley, Spurs, Leicester. Ah, uh, oh, I see what you mean now. Mm. Uh, mm. Man City, Chelsea. I will say this: it is a good time to get Man City, given their recent run. Despite the result against Arsenal, we spent a lot of time talking about how their attack has seemed to have dried up a lot recently. If we're gonna get City, I'd rather them getting them now than you know how they were playing in October. True. But that's sort of like deciding whether you, you want to get shot in the face or in the back of the head. It's very much of a muchness. It's very much of a muchness. Like, do you want to see it come in? Or would you rather just be merrily going on about your business and then, oh, done. Um, because Chelsea can't defend, as was shown against Bournemouth. No, um, something about playing a high line without actually pressing at the front... And so they have space to pass into and time to play the pass. That doesn't seem to work out well. I don't know. I kind of remember that happening with AVB. And sorry, Ball. Looking at you. AVB 2.0. <laughs> I'm going with Arsene Wenger meets Mourinho. Ugh. Just stubborn and dogmatic and not changing the approach and digging out his players. It's great. There um, you go. And the final match on Monday the 11th is Wolves versus Newcastle. So not many games on the Sunday, but plenty to go out on the Saturday. Um, Oscar's obviously really looking forward to the Man City-Chelsea game. Is there anything else there I, that really I catches your am, eye? Or? To, like, to be honest with you, I am looking forward to it. You are like, looking forward to it. If nothing else, it'll be something to watch. That'll be interesting. <laughs> it At, will like, just be a thing that will happen on that day. It's probably not going to be boring. Whether we get destroyed or, like, all of a sudden pull out a result, Eden Hazard does love a big match. Like, I don't think it'll be boring. Um, but of the non-Chelsea matches, I'm specifically looking at liverpool Bournemouth. Oh, hell yeah. Because like, that is a not... potentially huge banana skin for Liverpool, and given how they've been going lately, like, I could, you know... Of course, now they're going to win 5-0, and Salah's going to score two hat-tricks. Um, one of them is an uncle. But, like... Yeah, I don't know. I I think that could potentially... I don't think that's an easy win for Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And I think that Bournemouth, the way they counterattack and how they fucking destroyed Chelsea on the counterattack, could potentially yeah. line up against Liverpool well. Yeah, I could see it being kind of similar to the Palace game. But the only the only caveat I have from that for Bournemouth-wise is they are affected a bit with injuries at the minute. I know 
typical to form. I think Wilson's out and David Brooks, who has been very good for them this season. Uh, another guy who we could we could put into the earlier chat about um, great young players um, of this season um, is out. So it could find that difficult for him. But I, th- but I think you're absolutely right. I think the style of football they play um, could be very conducive to giving Liverpool a shock. And we, and we really will see um, the kind of fortitude they have because that is at the point where City would have played uh, an extra game as them, um, and obviously with 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 Chelsea to come for them the next day, then City don't play uh, the week after that. Well, I say the week after that, the game week after that, because there is a two week uh, one there. Is it an international break? Is it just like Europa League and cups and stuff? Or uh, cups? We should really know that, shouldn't we? I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, um, because after that, in the week that Man City don't play is when they're away at Old Trafford. Um, So it's it's a really important couple of games and and quite funny that potentially um, Man United in their big rivalry with Liverpool could do Man City a massive favour in in, in helping them at the top of the table. Yeah. So, yeah, the next couple of weeks are, are real interesting and could really quickly change the whole landscape of the league. You know, if Liverpool have one more slip up, um, Man City are right back in it exactly where we thought where we said they were yeah there's a lot of storylines going into this weekend that are going to be interesting to keep an eye on can Man United just keep trucking are Spurs going to take out Leicester because like they haven't you know with what they've been doing lately obviously Man City Chelsea huge match Liverpool potential banana skin Arsenal losing to Huddersfield would be the funniest thing in the world <laughs> agreed so yeah that would be fantastic um, and yeah, just to touch one last time on the psychology thing, because I have just noticed it through scrolling through, is after the blank game week, um, where obviously Man City, Liverpool will have a game in hand um, where Man City have played before. After that, um, they both play at the same time. But then for the next four weeks, Man City play chronologically before Liverpool for the Ooh. next five weeks. And so that's you know city gradually getting ahead or or continuously being there that could really have a big effect on liverpool so ah oh, i love it love it that's a good that's a good find man i like that that's a cool thing to notice yeah i think we should end on that note because we're never going to do anything better cuz we're that. never going to sound smarter than that so there we go oscar thanks very much for for turning up otherwise it would just be me talking to yourself talking to myself yeah standard standard tuesday really so thank you. Thanks, Ian, as well. Mr. 93.75%. Yeah. If he if he edits himself into this, um, does that technically count as an appearance? Or is that like substitute? It's not quite a full cap? It depends how much he edits himself in. If it's just to read the questions, then no. But if he's like chirping in with little comments along the way in every segment, then that'd be good. Like a director's commentary of just Ian yeah, exactly. going over yeah. is like, you may be wondering why I'm not here at this point. I'm not actually ill. It's just that I can't stand these guys. I just can't stand them at all. <laughs> I got hair plugs last week, and uh, they're really just starting <laughs> to take time to settle in. Um, Hopefully the anti-aging cream will start working well as well, and uh, then we can all move on. <laughs> <laughs> I love how he's getting it just as hard as always and he's not even here. Yep. And oh. we said we were going to end on something intelligent and we ended on something stupid and insulting to Ian instead. That's the podcast. Thanks, Oscar. Say goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.